0: Hello again, my name is Felix Becker and I am the Broke Surgeon. This project is my attempt to fix what is broken with our current system of healthcare delivery. I want to dive deep into why providers, nurses, and patients are frustrated by the current state of affairs. How money seems to go anywhere but helping patients heal. And ultimately, design a system which actually improves the health of everyone involved. And today I have a very, very special episode because today I welcome the first guest onto The Broke Surgeon. Kristen is both a patient and a nurse and has an absolute incredible story of her own. So I won't divulge any further. I will just let her tell her own story. Why don't we start? How did we get to be here today?
1: Well, um, I was led to some of your videos from a patient advocate friend of mine, and I reached out to you and wanted to tell you a little bit about my story as both a nurse and a patient. So kind of a different bit of a unique perspective and experience that I have had um, on some of those topics that you have highlighted on your page. And so I just reached out to you and kind of wanted to share a little bit of my story and my thoughts with you at that time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's um, that's really what this platform is all about, right? Uh, I want to have this conversation. So um, you mentioned you're both a nurse as well as a patient. Which came first?
1: Um, well, um, I have had a chronic illness for probably about 10 years or so that I've been dealing with. And while I've always wanted to be a nurse, it was after I had kind of become sick and started having some experiences within the healthcare system that I decided to pursue pursue a nursing degree then at that time. So patient first, and then I became a nurse.
0: So that's super interesting, right? Mm Because most people who get exposure to the healthcare system Mm -hmm. want nothing to do with it, right? yet (laughs) you decided you were going to become a nurse.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that is that is a big thing. It, it can either scare you away, and once you can have uh, zero desire to want anything to do with the healthcare system, or you can say, "Wow, there is a huge need here. There is a huge gap that I have been exposed to. I want to fill that. I want to do something about that. And I have the experience, and the drive, and the compassion because of my experiences. And I'm going to do something about it."
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, you could totally see that. So how long how, or I guess how much exposure did you have as a patient? Uh, before you decided to go into nursing? Like, was it like a year or two years, five years, 10 years? How long? Um, how long it, was that?
1: You know, at the beginning, my illness was kind of mild. I had a few, you know, minor surgeries. Um Uh, I I remember having surgery while studying for um, my courses, like while I was in nursing school. So, you know, I was kind of like right in the midst of everything. And even uh, when I went back for my bachelor's in nursing, I was still having surgeries and everything then too. So, you know, it kind of escalated along with me, you know, very minor experience for a few years before I became a nurse. And then I continued to have more um, experience as a patient, which kind of drove me more to, to want to, to do more and find a place within nursing that I could make a difference out of what I was experiencing.
0: Right. So as, as a patient, then what was it where, where you were thinking, or what was the, was there a trigger moment or was there some kind of specific experience? Like what was it that made you think you wanted to pursue nursing?
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was a, a moment in particular, but it was it was a general overall experience. It wasn't, you know, I had one really great experience or one really poor experience that made me say, wow, I need to do something. It was, it was everywhere that I was seeming to turn, that I was hitting walls and roadblocks and misinformation and just all of these, these disconnects that I was experiencing um, that seemed to be so consistent that really kind of drove me forward and say to myself that, you know, I need to be a part of this.
0: Okay. Um, so obviously most people in, in healthcare, I would say, I would say the vast majority of of people in healthcare have a nursing background of sorts, Mm -hmm. right? There's, there's way more nurses than there are doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe it was just a probability thing then, but why nursing? Why not pursue maybe going to medical school or PA school or or something other than nursing?
1: Yeah, well, initially, um, nursing has always spoken to me because of that bedside care. And because nursing is so focused on seeing a patient from uh, coming in with a problem and you see them through to, you know, to healing, uh, that was always kind of a big driver to me. To see a patient go through a whole process and be able to be at the bedside with them, not just you know seeing them for 15 minutes at a time, uh, writing prescriptions. Um, I actually was in, in NP school, but I, I ended up being too sick and I I stopped after the bachelor's portion because um, you know it, it is a lot of work. And I did see um, in a lot of forums and everything that I was kind of pursuing at the time how disconnected, um, that, that bedside care becomes when you do pursue those higher degrees, you know, such as like a doctor or an NP or PA, um, you just kind of lose that, that, that bedside care that is just so, I think it was just the driving force behind nursing, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, but what year were we talking about that you uh, got into nursing? How long ago was that?
1: Um, oh goodness. I think it was 2011.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And at that time, was there anything with your, your, again, your, your experience as a patient at the time where you were thinking, man, I really want to do this differently when I get there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I would say that that, that sort of thought process uh, really hit home after I started getting really sick Um, when it wasn't just, you know, these minor procedures, it wasn't just, you know, little symptoms here and there it was really really big health issues that were having a significant impact on my quality of life my ability to work or attend school or be a mother Um, it was then that um, I kind of had those those revelations because I don't think that a lot of providers are able to see what is going on behind the scenes and um, I think in nursing, you do have that opportunity to go into that person's personal life. You, you can work in home health where you know, you're inside of that person's home and you're observing everything that they do on a daily basis and you can affect them there. Or even, um, even in a hospital bedside care, you know, you're seeing that patient day after day after day and you do have a really significant impact on that quality of life when they do go home. Yeah, so true. yeah, that was
0: really important to me. Very true. When you were so, when you were, again, let me qualify this a little bit. A lot of times, people who go into medicine go into medicine for their own uh, personal uh, medical problems or medical problems within their family, right? So, um, was was that the driving force behind you? Is that not only were you seeing how how the the healthcare system affects you, and maybe it was a part part of you that wanted to give back to that community but it was also maybe seeking answers for yourself that you weren't able to get as a patient.
1: I wouldn't say initially. Um, I would say that um, that thought process um, really did become a part of my nursing career after um, those really serious uh, health problems impacted my life. Um, Especially after, um, after I got an ostomy, Um, that was a really, really big impact on my life and my direction as a nurse. And the amount of driving force that that experience gave me to want to produce some sort of change um, and find answers that I couldn't find anywhere. You know, so many people have these questions and they're coming to these healthcare professionals that are saying, we don't, we don't know. Or you know, we'll try and find someone that does, and you go to that person, and and you know, then they're they're not able to quite give you the answer. So you go to the next person, the next person, and there's just such a need for answers that um, I think patients are able to highlight what exactly those questions are that need to be answered.
0: Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, I, I, I want to come back to. You're um, your ostomy, if you don't mind, uh, a little bit later on, That's, that's uh, uh, as, as a surgeon myself, that is something that uh, is always uh, a sticky subject with me because I absolutely hate, hate, hate giving people ostomies. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I, that's definitely an interesting topic, subject within medicine that I, that I would like to address at some point. But I want to come back to you first. And that is, so when you started your nursing career, you obviously had some idea of where you wanted to go with that right? What was that? And is that really how things transpired? Or are you doing something differently now than what you initially had intended to?
1: Well, my initial intention was to have some sort of impact on the, the quality of life that a person was having. Because for me, that that was the biggest impact on me is, you know, I'm going through all of these things, Um, and if there was just these little significant changes, the quality of life that I could have would be so much different. And it was seen in, you know, a nurse that went out of their way to do something for me or a doctor that went the extra mile, um, to take the time to look something up and try a different treatment or medication. So I was hoping that, you know, I could find that niche in nursing where I was able to have some sort of impact. So, um. I was a hospice nurse for a while. Um, So that to me gave me that opportunity to be able to uh, meet a patient at their own needs. They, They were able to tell me what's important in their life. You know, they're at the end of their life. What's important to you? And how can I help you, you know, achieve that quality of life by what you're telling me, listening to their story and hearing what's important to them and what I could do to impact that.
0: Yeah, you, you know, the, the thing that um, actually, so I, thank you, hospice care is incredibly difficult. And um, what what bothers me the most about it is that shouldn't we approach all healthcare in that way? Like, shouldn't we ask patients all the time, what do you want? Like, yeah. should, isn't that, shouldn't that be the goal of healthcare, right? Yes. Helping people achieve their goals and their quality of life not just looking at a problem and trying to fix the problem.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I see, I see that a lot, you know, and a lot of the specialists that I go to, you know, they're very, they're very goal oriented, but it's a lot of times it's their goals. You know, they see a symptom and they want to fix it and they know what can fix it, but that might not be what's important to the patient. I might, uh, you know, come to a doctor and say, I'm having this and this and this and this, and they'll, they'll throw medicine for that medicine for that medicine for that. But, Maybe that's not what's important to me. Maybe, maybe this is important to me because I have to, you know, I have to be a mom throughout the day. So that it's the nausea that bothers me. So can we just focus on that? You know, I, I don't really care about these other tests or getting to the root cause right now. I just need to deal with the nausea or, you know, just little, little tiny things like that are often really, really big things to the patient. And being able to uh, treat someone with patient-centered goals, I think is something that really needs addressed in healthcare today.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And the, the other thing that I always think about is, uh, you know, that if patient comes back for a second visit or a third visit, and didn't do what was discussed at the last visit, the wording is going to be the patient is non-compliant. Yeah. But really, I always think it's probably the physician who's non-compliant by trying to figure out what the patient actually wants, right? We're not complying right. to the patient's wishes, the patient's goals. Right. You know, what drives them. Yeah. What, what gets them the motivation to do what, what they're doing every day, right? So yeah. uh, who's really the non-compliant person? It's, yeah. it's probably the provider, but the uh, way the system yeah. is set up, we're blaming the patient, right? Yeah.
1: A lot of times that that is the focus too, is, you know, it, they, the goal is not met. You know, um, I've, I uh, I had a doctor tell me one time, you have to want to get better. And I, I've never been so shocked in my life. And I just looked at that doctor, and I'm like, you know he knows nothing about what i've been doing you know to right. try and help myself get better but all he saw was we didn't achieve this goal you know and why didn't i achieve that goal though you know that like you said that's the important question why are we not being able to meet those goals then right
0: exactly exactly so um obviously your perspective on things uh then just going back to, to your own timeline so you started as a patient and you you went to nursing school now that you are the nurse. Um, I, I would imagine a few things, uh, two big things change. One is your perspective on your own care mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of seeing what the other side is doing and why they're doing it and how they're doing it. Um, but probably also something shifted in the way you are being approached because now you as a nurse uh, are probably being treated differently as well. Um, so, what's been your experience uh, with those things? I mean, I guess we can start with what's your experience as a patient now that you have that medical background, that nursing background. Um, how how has that changed for you?
1: Um, well, at times I I think it's almost a good thing at times, and I think it's a bad thing at times. Having the knowledge that I didn't have before, I I don't know how many times I could say, "Wow, I cannot imagine the care I would have received if I wasn't a nurse and didn't know." You know, there are so many times that I have had to advocate for myself over and over and over about things that you would expect the providers and the caregivers to just know or do, but it's surprising how much they don't. And, um, I mean, even, even on a, a literal transplant floor, you know, just, just a very simple example, um. I had a nurse that had never accessed a port before, and she's trying to access my port, and it um, it, was, it was horrifying. And if I didn't know to speak up and say, "Hey, that's that's not right. You're you're not doing this right. We need to do this, this, and this," then I I would have thought that that was normal. You know, so so many experiences that have been you know painful or horrifying to go under patients would think are just normal. It's part of it, you know? Um, and that's the scary part is, you know, that I've been able to be an advocate for myself because I do know better.
0: Right, yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. And uh, that's something that um, uh, it, it's really a double-edged sword, right, because on the one hand, now you can advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I feel like sometimes from the uh, provider side, not, not necessarily me, just as a physician, but also from the nursing side, when somebody figures out that you too are in healthcare, the care that you receive or the care that's being provided rather, changes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and not always in a good way, Uh, Mm -hmm. but it also brings up the idea that, oh, now we're gonna treat you better because Mm -hmm. you also are a nurse or a doctor Mm -hmm. or whatever. I mean, and if that's the case, we clearly have a stratified system of care, right? Where some people get the tier one care and most people get a lower tier quality care, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which mm-hmm. is scary. So have you noticed any of that where, where your care um, was changed because someone else found out that you too are in healthcare?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I've actually experienced the opposite too, where they, they, they know you're in healthcare. And so they just assume that, you know, so they leave out certain aspects of care. They completely glaze over it. Um, maybe something just as simple as educating on things. They'll say, oh, you already know how to do this. And they, they don't go over important things. And, you know, when you're coming out of surgery or you're not feeling great, you, you forget a lot of those little simple things. And, you know, you're you're treated like you do know these things and you, you don't.
0: Right. No, that that's a very good point. I mean, that that's not just um, for you as a patient, but that's for for anybody in healthcare, right? Just because we are doing this full time does not mean we all have received the same education for one, Mm -hmm. but also not the right education uh, on the other hand, right? And there's a lot of, um, uh, I mean, if you think about it, just the practical side of things, it's a lot of you learn from whoever you're with that day, right, and Mm -hmm. if that person has experience with whatever you're supposed to learn about, uh, that's awesome. But if that person doesn't have any experience, they're still expected to teach you something and yeah. probably what they're going to teach you is not the best of information. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I've
1: heard a lot of, um, you, you probably know this more than I do. You you've done this so many more times than I have, or y- you probably know more about this than I do because you you've been through this before, but, um, I think you're doing a great misservice by just, you know, leaving out that aspect of healthcare just by saying oh you've already been through this you've already been dealing with this for so long you're good to go you know
0: yeah absolutely so what has um uh so you said you you got into uh, healthcare 2011 so about you know 10, 10 11 years now that that you've been doing it as a nurse so um what has changed over that time uh what changes have you noticed on the professional side of things
1: um I would, I, you know, I've, I've worked in a variety of settings, um, but one of the biggest um, things that I kind of noticed that was most discouraging to me was within hospitals um, working at the bedside, how disconnected. Um, Care has been because of rules and regulations and so many of these implementations and targets that um, providers are expected to meet um, that you kind of completely lose that aspect of care where you are caring for a person you know uh, you've got a computer screen you've got electronic bands that you're scanning you're scanning your medications you're clicking boxes and your patients just laying there in bed you know and you're not talking to them you're not you're not being able to have a conversation with them and and that quite honestly that patient probably doesn't want to have a conversation with you they don't they don't know you they you know they don't really speak to you you're coming in and you're just beeping and clicking boxes and you go on to the next room because you've got 12 other patients to take care of so I think that a lot of um a lot of that interpersonal um, connection and communication is just completely lost within these electronic healthcare systems that you know we're we're utilizing, and like I said, rules and regulations that you know we're expected to meet.
0: Right. No, I, I absolutely agree. I always say uh, it doesn't matter what happens at the bedside; the only thing that matters is what happens inside the computer. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays we're really only just treating the computer, massaging the numbers, writing our notes, whatever to meet, like you said, all these regulatory uh, demands, right? Uh, Whether those are uh, federal regulations, uh, state regulations, or even just institutional regulations. I mean, I can't tell you, going between the different institutions that I'm even at, uh, you know, what the different uh, rules and regulations are, and they all claim, oh, state tells us to do that. And it's, it's so ironic to see that I'm like, no, state doesn't tell you to do that because the other institution, we're doing it very differently. And they're also saying state is telling them to do that. So, I mean, one of you is lying, right? Yeah.
1: So,
0: <laughs> uh, but both of you want something. And it's all about the, the other thing is it, it's, it's all about perceived liability, right? Most patients really just most most people really just want to be taken care of. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you really look at the statistics for lawsuits, even they happen when people aren't taken care of. And uh, I'm actually afraid that more and more so what we're building up is a defense against lawsuits through our documentation, which is obviously what lawyers want. They want more documentation. Right. Um, it, what we're actually doing is we're actually increasing our liability um, for making mistakes and for dehumanizing care and for for people not getting the care uh, that they want to get out of the system. Um, so we're really kind of working the the problem backwards, which is uh, terrible because all I am is a very highly paid computer data entry clerk these days. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Awful. Awful. So, but um, the, the thing is, um, it, it's it's hard for me to see. Like, I, I if I had to look into the future twenty years and and seeing how I would like a healthcare system to function, I can see what I would like to see, right? The, that utopian you know, envisioning, but I don't know how to get there. So you know, have you noticed any small little changes that we can start implementing now that would actually have an impact on the system long-term?
1: Oh, goodness. that That's a, a difficult one because, you know, <laughs> we are up against these big regulating bodies, you know, and everything is kind of trickled down. And, you know, just for example, a nurse, you know, we've got our supervisors tell them what to do and then their supervisors tell them what to do. And then it's just, you know, expectations that trickle down. So even if, uh, you know, we have some great idea of how we could do this better, we, we still have all these rules and expectations that have come down from these really high up places that it can be super difficult to try and figure out how are we going to change a system this big in a situation so, you know, seemingly yeah. small to them.
0: No, that's that's uh, an excellent point. Uh, and um, I actually was just, uh, I actually just posted about this to some degree, is that the, the, the rules um, about bedside care are made by people who are not at the bedside. And um, the same people who make these rules are unwilling to come to the bedside. Um, it's really just a trickle down effect, like you said. And um yeah, I, I don't know how to how to make uh how to how to stop that flow uh of of uh, you know, let's just say brown colored fluid <laughs> yeah. which runs downhill, right? Yeah. Um absolutely. So um yeah, no, I, I, I wish I had uh, solid answers, but that's also why I want to have these conversations with other people, um, because, you know, if, if it's just me, then I, you know, then it's just me. But uh, collectively, I think uh, we can figure something out. Um, so uh, let, let's go back. I, I do want to specifically address um, uh, your ostomy, if you don't mind, um, because that's, that's some subject that's actually near and dear to my heart, because uh, in my world, um, I, I'm, I'm a trauma surgeon, my background, and uh, we did do a fair number of ostomies on patients uh, as, as damage control, really. Uh, it's not so much in the elective world, but the, the biggest problem with ostomies uh, that we know of, we know this. Uh, in the as surgeons uh, in our surgical world, is that the vast majority of ostomies do not get reversed. Now there some situations when it's impossible, uh, and, and you know you you just absolutely cannot do something about that. But the vast majority of ostomies do not get reversed. And now we're dealing with something that is anatomically obviously abnormal, right? We were not born with an ostomy, mm-hmm. and we're expecting uh, both the patient to uh, figure out a way to deal with this. Quite literally, figure out a way to deal with this. Uh, and also have nurses take care of ostomies who frequently are not trained in ostomy care. I mean, it is a recipe for a disaster uh, when we're just, you know, making someone else have an ostomy that they may not need, may not need forever. Uh, but we're now having, again, the, the patient has to somehow figure it out. And we, I don't think we have a good system, a place to, yeah. to help patients with that. Uh, and then secondly, it's the nurses that we ask uh, to take care of these ostomies frequently are not trained in it and have no idea what to do with it either. So um, what's, been, what's been your experience? Your, your, I mean, both your personal experience, also as, you, as, as a nurse there, obviously patient and the nurse uh, with that ostomy.
1: Yes, you are, you are hitting all of the important points here because I, I cannot express to you how big of an issue that this is. Um, to me, um, where I am now, having an ostomy, I, if I could convey to anybody who is going through this experience or facing that it, it is not this life ending or altering experience it does not have to be but it is because of those points that you bring up because our healthcare system is failing these patients uh, from the very very get go you know we we are not taking care of them properly in the hospital we are not setting them up for success when they go home the home healthcare nurses are not educated in ostomy care we are not referring out to ostomy nurses when we need those expert resources. And so many of what these ostomy patients are experiencing, these negative experiences are hugely preventable. And the thing about ostomies in my experience is these problems quickly snowball into huge problems. So being able to take care of them at the preventative stage And being able to educate these patients on how to properly care for them, our nurses how to properly care for them, the hospitals to set them up for success, it would just make the hugest difference in these people's lives because it just absolutely breaks my heart to hear some of the experiences that these patients go through. Um, I most recently have been working home health for the past three years. And um, it's just devastating to hear the stories that I hear from these patients. I've had patients call me crying that they they can't leave bed because they're terrified to get up. They're afraid, you know, they're going to leak everywhere. They're having problems. They feel like they smell, they have all these issues. And, and I'm thinking, you know, like none of this has to happen. This patient should not have to go through any of this because it is such a simple fix to either, you know, have an educated person educate them or defer to somebody who knows how to deal with these problems. And it it, we desperately desperately need to change that because you know um ostomies don't have to be the the, this horrible experience i i love mine mine could be reversible but i would never reverse it because i love what it's done for me and that's the thing is you know ostomies are life-saving and so many people see them as you know just this horrible life-altering experience for them because of, you know, so many of these negative outcomes that they're experiencing that, you know, honestly, we all are just failing our patients at. Yeah,
0: no, that, that's actually, a, that's, that's a um, uh, definitely good way of putting it is that it, it is not a life ending experience. Like you said, is probably a, it definitely improves the quality of life at the time, right? I mean, the alternative would have been worse, but we're really failing at managing them properly. Yeah. Right, I mean, and, and I was just thinking as you as you uh, as you're saying this in in my own experience in my um, really for, in your total fourteen years of education that I've been through to become a, uh, a trauma surgeon, I I had never had any formal education on ostomy care. I had tons and tons and tons of uh, you know. Uh, Textbook chapters, or even a hands-on experience in the operating room with other surgeons, how to create ostomies properly. Um, but even uh, you know, it's cho- choosing the location on an elective case is not handled by the surgeon; should not be handled by the surgeon. Uh, that's that's really not um, ideal for us because we we don't. There's, asp- there's so many nuances and aspects to that that I was never even trained about. The the training I received on ostomies. Uh, really for the most part in terms of the management comes from ostomy nurses um, who I, uh, who I had to involve when there were complications with ostomies, right? Or patient got an ostomy and and now we needed to put a bag on them. It sounds really simple in theory, right? You just size the bag, right? And put it on and that's it. Um, but there's so many nuances to getting it right, to preventing, like you said, that preventative maintenance to, re- to keep that skin around it intact, to make sure the back adheres, doesn't leak, uh, the, just the maintenance of that—that—that uh, that, that I never had any formal education on in fourteen years, right? In fourteen years of school, I had no formal education on any of that. It's really just uh, that hands-on training. That the only reason I had it is because I asked, uh, and um, I have just very just very rudimentary knowledge uh, of ostomy care. Like, there, if there's patients within our practice now. Uh, where, um, where, where there's ostomy, uh, any sort of ostomy problems or questions, I always defer them uh, to our ostomy nurses, because uh, frankly, there's so many things that I don't know about. I mean, whether that's a different appliance, right? I mean, it's, there's, there's dozens of different manufacturers out there. They all make different appliances that function differently. Is it a one piece? Is it a two piece? Does it have this? Does it have that? Right. And um, all these nuances that I, I you know, I, I don't specifically know anything about. Right. Uh, and yet, because I'm the doctor, everybody comes to me, right? Yeah. The nurse at the bedside doesn't ha- has just as much formal education as I have, mm-hmm. um, but it gets escalated to me. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's actually a scary, a scary proposition if you think about it. I mean, that's how the whole system is. Yeah,
1: yeah but, you know, uh, it's like <laughs> like the video that caught my attention. For a doctor to say, I don't know, And have the ability to give that patient the resources that they need to somebody who does know, who has been able to devote their time and their education to answering these questions is just huge. And I think a lot of times um, doctors and nurses both, you know, just they think they know or they, they offer these solutions that are, are mediocre and the person continues to have problems. And being able to say, okay, we're continuing to have problems. I know, you know, I, I've done the basic suggestions here. We're still having issues. We need to get you help before this becomes a big problem is just really key here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, I, I think it's, I, I think there's two aspects to it. One is, um I think there's some assumption that we know, or at least know where to turn. But I think the second part of that is that we sort of put that burden on ourselves. Like that is something that we create for ourselves. We think we need to have the answers, uh, or we think that patients expect us to have the answers. So yeah, sure, there is some expectation that we know certain things that patients don't know, right? That's why they come to us in the first place. But the the burden of saying I have to have the answers that is something we create for ourselves, and and I, if anything, I think that's where we're failing ourselves as as a system as well. I mean, this is something that uh, obviously we must be perpetuating through our educational system. Otherwise, the the newer graduates, the younger nurses, the younger doctors wouldn't wouldn't have that, right? Mm-hmm. I I think that's something where we're really failing at trying to um to teach that because we probably don't know about this ourselves. So excellent. Um what else? What um uh, so going forward for yourself like what what is one thing that that you're trying to do in your own nursing practice uh, where you are really trying to change things. Both both for yourself for your patients maybe for the career.
1: Yeah. Um well my goal here is to um, become a wound ostomy continence nurse. So that that way I can create some sort of change for those patients. Um, mainly, my ostomy patients who I have a soft spot for, I, I want to develop a way that those patients don't feel that way, that you know, that an ostomy is this negative thing. I don't want nurses to think, "Oh God, I have an ostomy patient. I don't want doctors to think, you know, anything like that. You know, I, I want to be able to come up with a way, that provides a solution for everybody. And not just, you know, we we have ostomy nurses that we can defer to, but what else can we be doing? How can we educate, you know, a general surgeon or a home health nurse to say, okay, these are these are the key points here. You know, we don't expect you to know everything. Here are the key points. And here is when something needs to be done, you know, and, you know, to be able to provide some sort of education that empowers these healthcare providers to empower the patients and have the resources to give them to have the answers that they need, so that they don't have these problems and these experiences. Is just it, it would make a huge difference. And my goal is to be able to um, be able to provide that.
0: Yeah, that that's fantastic. Uh, I mean, like I said, from my own personal uh, perspective. Uh, I think that ostomies uh, really are uh, something that we need to Im- improve uh, as as a healthcare system, the way we take care of them. Uh, that is definitely a sticking point for me. so uh, and I, I'm sure that you have had um, again, your experiences both as, as a patient as well as that nurse uh, gives you a very uh, good and unique perspective on on the things that uh, we need to change. Um, well, all right, I it, Kristen, I can't thank you enough uh this has been uh absolutely an incredible conversation. um thank you for doing this uh thank you for being the first guest on the show
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it
0: um any any last uh last words of wisdom
1: no uh uh-uh. i I think we covered some really great topics here knowing knowing when it's okay to say we don't know you know um taking some of those uh things that depersonalize our patients out of the equation and sitting down and you know getting to the the bottom of what a patient's goal is and how we can heal them uh, are just really important things in healthcare right now i think
0: yeah M- making making patients people again how does that sound
1: yes exactly
0: bring that which which is really kind of sad if you really think about it i mean medicine is such a people business right i mean without people this this business would not exist so uh, the fact that we are taking the humanity out of it uh, has just been uh, cruel and unusual punishment for everyone involved at the bedside. Good. Well, thank you again. And uh, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Uh, you know how to get in touch with me if you need anything.
1: Okay.
0: And um, I'm sure we'll be in touch.
1: All right, thanks.
0: All right, take care. Bye. Bye. Well, what do you think? That was Kristen. An absolute wonderful human being, both a patient and a nurse. She has an absolute incredible story to tell. And even though we didn't really get into it uh, on this episode, her personal story really is convoluted and involving the entire spectrum of healthcare delivery. And so she has truly firsthand experience, uh, really both as a patient and then later on as a nurse as well. About a lot of the problems that we face in our healthcare system. And yet, despite all of that, despite being at the mercy of the healthcare system as a patient herself, she decided to become a nurse to make a difference. So, what do you think? What are your thoughts, suggestions, comments? What is your response to Kristen's story? Email me at Felix at Brokesurgeon.com. Get in touch. And let's start working on this together. As always, thank you for tuning in. Remember that this project is not just about me and my frustrations. A broken healthcare system affects all of us. And I am looking forward to hearing your thoughts, comments, suggestions, ideas, and personal experiences just like Christian. Whether you're a physician, a nurse, a patient administrator, investor, insurance agent, or politician, we all want to hear your story. Let's sit down and chat about our current situation and what we can do to change it for the better. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Ciao.